Hey everybody, this is your host, LaVie. Welcome to Thrift Therapy, the podcast all about thrift life. Recycling, collecting, DIYing, all the ups and downs, ins and outs of thrifting. So glad you joined me for this thrift adventure. Hey everybody, I'm so glad to be here. I have so much to say. I might even have more to say than I can fit in this podcast. So let me just jump right into it. That track I opened with is the record I'm going to review for you guys. And if you're in the know, you already understand that that is a Black Star album. And yes, I thrifted it. I picked this particular album because my best friend Wendy and I, we love hip-hop, we love to dance, we used to go to a lot of shows together, and one of the shows we went to was with Talib Kweli, came to town here in San Antonio, and then I also saw Talib Kweli, uh, let's see, in Houston with my son a few years later, so I'm a big fan, I'm happy to share his music with you, and Most Def is absolutely amazing, so they're probably the best duo ever except for me and my best friend Wendy. She's going to talk with us today about repurposing, thrifting, making jewelry. We're just going to get into all the things that the two of us love to talk about and explore together and I think you guys are going to have a fun time listening because it's going to give you an insight into the kind of people I hang out with in my real life. I'm going to play you guys my favorite song off of the Black Star album and the name of the album is Black Star. Most Deaf and Talib Kweli. The name of the track I'm going to play for you guys is my absolute favorite. It's uh, on the second side. It's track eight, and it's called KOS Determination. Knowledge yourself is like life after death That you never worry about your last breath Death comes, that's how I'm living It's the next stage, the flesh goes underground The book of life, flip a page Yo, they asking me how old we live in the same age I feel the rage of a million niggas locked inside a cage At exactly which point do you start to realize That life without knowledge is death in disguise That's why knowledge yourself is like life after death Quiet till your life, my destiny manifests Different days, same confusion We're gonna take this hip-hop shit and keep it moving Shed a little light, now y'all blooming like a flower with the power of the evidence Voices and drums, original instruments in the flesh Presently presenting my representation with that Determination with that Determination with that Determination with that Determination If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I'm sure you can see why this is one of my favorite records of all time and that why this is one of my favorite songs because it talks about empowerment through knowledge and it talks a lot about being isolated in your own experience and needing to overcome. And it's I resonate so much with the style that the the songs are told in is a very intellectual point of view. 
uh, on a very emotional experience. And I tend to do that a lot in my own life, which is I intellectualize my experiences to try to understand them better or process them. And I think that's one of the things that Wendy and I both like about these particular cats. They're really cool. If you ever find this record in the thrifting wild, you absolutely should get it. In fact, you should probably drop everything and run immediately to the checkout counter and purchase it right then. And I would say, even if it's, you know, this stupendous amount of $5, it would be worth it. I'm going to tell you guys now how I got this record because it's kind of an amazing story. Uh, this happens to me uh, sometimes when I thrift vinyl is that one of the things that I do is I always check the inside record uh, for, from the album cover to make sure that it's playable because sometimes they'll have copious scratches or it'll be warped uh, and then other times it's not even the record that's being promoted by the album cover. Well that was the case for this particular record. I picked up a record called Big L the Big Picture, 1974 to 1999, which is an, another hip-hop record that I thought was a cool find for 99 cents. And I pulled out the first record, and it's the Big L record, and it looked in great shape, but there was another record in there, and I was like, I don't think this is a two-record album. Maybe it is, and then I was like, okay, it is, but well, I better check the other one. Well, well it's missing the record that's the second record for the Big L album, but it had the Black Star record. And I kind of made a yelping noise, and I immediately called my bestie, Wendy, and I was like, you're never going to believe what I just found at the thrift store for 99 cents. And I was right. She didn't believe it. She never guessed. I had to tell her. And then uh, we both squealed for a little while. So it was super fun. Of course, when I asked her to come on the show I knew this would be the record I would play because of how much we enjoyed the music together but also she was the person I called to tell her of the best record find of all time so that's my thrift story for this record if you find it you should give it get it there's not a single song on this record that you want to move past every single track every single beat every single word is powerful interesting relevant and Beyond that, it'll make you want to dance. So what's not to like? I don't know. I can't think of a single thing. So buy it. And even if you don't thrift it, go buy it. That would be my advice. All right. Well, that was the record review for today. I would give this five nagels out of five nagels. And if there's a way to up my own ranking system, I would give it 100 nagels. All right, I've got so much to tell you guys. I'm going to move on to updates. I have updates. The first update I have is that I am doing a photo shoot, you guys. It's one of the things that I've been working on with a friend of mine is she asked me if I would be a thrift stylist for a retro photo shoot, how people overcome tragedy through clothes is that's what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to do that, but she's an amazing photographer. And I was really honored that she would ask me to do it. And that's going to be taking place this coming weekend. So I've been thrifting my fanny off for that photo shoot. 
Uh, other news that I have is I've updated my website. If you want to advertise anything on Thrift Therapy, the podcast, you can now purchase directly. You can purchase advertising for your side hustles, and I will put together an ad for you and play it on Thrift Therapy. I figured if Anchor could do it, so could I. And that way I can take it direct to consumer. You guys can purchase your own ads. You can purchase a one-time ad. If you're a local, you get a special deal. If you want to purchase a month of ads, you can do that. And the other news I have is the podcast has really grown of late. And now I'm pulling in for over 400 listens per episode. So that's really cool. I'm very excited and I'm climbing in the rankings and big things are happening. There is an event that I am co-hosting with Thrifty ATX with Kim Sanch, which she's been on the podcast in season one. She's an early supporter of Thrift Therapy. She's a blogger who talks about the thrift scene in Austin, Texas. Well, she reached out to another thrift podcast that just started called Thrift Story. If you haven't found it already, go find it, listen to it. It's amazing. And I look forward to hearing more content from them. But in the meantime, Kim is putting together a Thrift Story event in Austin, Texas on February the 23rd. Thrift Therapy is going to be there and I'm going to do a live podcast episode from the event and then I'm going to record some interviews with people who buy things. So what Thrift Story is, it's the chance for you to get a thrifted item and get the backstory at the same time. It's also a chance for you to donate items and tell the story of the item. I'm going to be donating a couple items that definitely have stories that I'm looking forward to passing on to people who appreciate the story and the item. And the proceeds are going to be going to charities. And that makes it a double win, right? So you thrift, you share stories, you have an event with other thrifters, you get to talk about thrifting, and you get to benefit charity. I just can't think of a more fun day unless like Black Star was going to come down and pop up a table for us then that would be absolutely perfect. So if you want to donate something to this event and you live in San Antonio, please email me at thrifttherapypod at gmail.com. If you live in Austin and you want to donate, go ahead and at thriftyatx on Instagram and Kim will tell you where to donate. I'm really looking forward to meeting a lot of new people and I hope you guys all come out and make this a really fun, popular event that we can do over and over again. I think that would be great. So in relation to Thrift Stories and the event coming up there, if you know of another thrifting podcast or if you know of a fashion vlogger or a thrift vlogger or anybody who's in the fashion and beauty media industry, and if that's you, join a Facebook group called Stylecaster Support Community. I just started this a couple weeks ago on Facebook and I haven't had time to do anything with it. But Emily from another thrifting podcast you guys should check out called Pre-Loved Podcast reached out to me and we are going to try to get it going. I'm really grateful to have Emily pushing me forward on that because I think it'd be great to have a community for people like me and like Emily and like Sammy and a bunch of people I've had on the podcast who are trying to bring thrifters together. If you're one of those people, jump onto Facebook 
and join Stylecaster's support community. The last bit of exciting news I want to share with you guys is that I have been promising y'all some merchandise and it is just so hard to find the time to make it happen. But I have a couple designs that I've been working on and I'm going to be releasing one this month, one next month. The one that I'm going to be releasing tomorrow is from July Whipple's episode where she said, that's the smell of savings about the funky smells that thrift stores have. I've got it on a cute little t-shirt. You can get it on a tote bag if you want instead. But it says that's the smell of savings and it's a little perfume bottle and it says thrift on it and it's super cute. So I think you guys will like it. And you can go to the website thrifttherapypod.com and check out the merchandise. Now I like to use Threadless because I don't have to keep any inventory on him. So it'll give you a link and you can go over to Threadless and you can choose what you want the design on, what color you want the shirt or the tote bag or whatever, what design you want, and you purchase it all through Threadless and that's T-H-R-E-A-D-L-E-S-S. Shout out to fellow podcasters Murder Dictionary for using Threadless and I'm following their lead. You know, in the last episode, I asked you guys to help me get over a thousand followers on Instagram because I was just writing so close to that edge. And guess what? We did it. I now have well over a thousand. You guys are awesome. I think at last look I had, well, let me see here. I can just look, right? Because ta-da, that's not hard. 1,027. Well done, everybody. And I appreciate that. I know it's just a small thing, but these little goals keep me motivated. And since I'm very goal-oriented, it just, you know, gets my blood pumping. Today was a really long day of podcast stuff and photo shoot prep and thrift bagging. I was putting together thrift bags and just little things like that keep me going. So thanks so much. In that spirit, I have an iTunes review to read. I've been wanting to read. I have a couple new ones. Some people went over and took the time out of their day to give me an iTunes review. And again, I know it's a small thing maybe, but it means a lot to me. So I'm going to read one. So I have two very short reviews to read. One is... One episode in, five stars, dot, dot, dot. And I already love this. KTMCB1234. Thank you so much for taking the time to let me know that you're in. I'm obsessed. Five stars. I've been binge listening to this podcast and I love it. It's the best to listen to in the car on the way to the thrift. Thanks so much. And that's Emmy Searles. Thank you, Emmy, for taking the time to write that. Again, these just make my day. It makes me feel like I'm doing something meaningful. So appreciate you guys. And just remember that for every podcast you love, taking the time to rate, review, and subscribe really helps us get sponsors. It helps our reach. And it puts the algorithms in our favor. So Even though it may not seem like it does much, it actually does. Not just emotionally, but practically speaking as well. So high fives. Thanks so much, everybody. It's time for thrift stories. I mean, I've got to tell you guys about my thrift hauls. I've had some epic thrift hauls. And I had two thrift hauls this weekend that I want to tell you guys about. The first one was I went to a new thrift store here in town called His Way. 
um, one of the girls that works there was she was nice enough to tell me what was going on. So let me play a little interview I did with her and then I'll tell you about my thrift. Hey, so I saw an ad for your thrift shop on Facebook. Uh My husband sent it to me because he knows I got to hit all the new thrift stores. And uh, then it notified me that you guys were opening. So here I am. What's your name? My name is Shara. Thanks for agreeing to talk to me. The listeners will be really excited, especially the local ones. To know there's a new place to thrift. Thrift. Why don't you say the name of your thrift shop and the address, too? Uh, It's called His Way Thrift, and it's on 10744 Braun Road. Um, It's closer to 1560 North, but it's right off of 1604. It was really easy to get to. It's just past 1604. It's outside the loop. Mm -hmm. So it was really easy to find. Um, let's see. You guys have a dollar room. That's my favorite thing so far is that everyone's super nice. It's really organized, but they have a dollar room. Uh, I don't know. That's my favorite thing ever. I love anything for a dollar. Yes. So tell me a little bit about his way. At first I thought it was like an all men's store. (laughs) And then my husband was like, I think it's a charity. So what's the mission behind his way? So it is part of our, um, uh, based off of like our church group that um, it is biblical based and uh, it's a non-denominal church, um, but his way is just, you know, the Lord's way. Oh, okay. That, that makes yes. sense. <laughs> but it was actually funny because one of the girls who works with me today was saying that one of her friends had told her that when they saw it, they were like, oh, we thought that they were like just the arguing about like who was going to make the decisions and they decided it was going to be his way. So And they were like, no, we're not going there. <laughs> No, but yeah, that's what it's for. And then um, we do help support the ministry at our church called Compass Cares Community Outreach. And they help title in schools, just um, lots of different community outreaches. And they also help with the Pregnancy Care Center and things like that. So lots of different, there's a lot of things that it does. And you can definitely check out their website for more information on that. What's the website? Um, I'm actually not sure of their uh, their URL, but if you can go to Compass Church SA, I think that's what their URL is. And they'll have their stuff about their community outreach on there. That's awesome. Uh, One of the things that I talked about in my latest interview was trying to get some insight into the different charity organizations that all the various thrift shops uh, sort of support and donate a lot of their funds to. So I'm really glad that you shared that, and I hope it motivates some of the listeners to come out and support some local causes. What's your favorite thing so far about working here? Um, One of the reasons that we actually opened it is because I'm a single mom at this point in my life, and um, my son, I would really like to try and homeschool him if I could because I was homeschooled and I enjoyed it, Um, and I love having him with me, so I get to have him here with me. He's five, and he actually misses the cutoff for school anyways till this next upcoming year, but I've been able to have him here with me, and he has a whole room downstairs and he's able to he has like toys and coloring and then we do school for a little bit every day so yeah that's that's probably my favorite part is that I get to have my son with me oh that's awesome so it's real family friendly yes very family oriented okay we're not gonna yell at your kids (laughs) and be like Parents don't leave your kids unattended. I mean, how many times have you yes, heard that and at their shop? Used to be that way, but once I had a kid, I was like, I understand now. It's too hard. <laughs> it is, and they've got a lot of energy. So my son definitely taught me a lot about all of that for sure. Well, thank you for talking to me. I'll be putting this on the episode this Sunday. And if anybody listening needs to find some dollar stuff, I would tell them to come on out. Oh yeah, we have a ton of stuff out there yeah. right now. Lots of clothes, lots of just little knickknacks, and I forget what my mom calls it, but like. Brick a brack. That's what she calls it. <laughs> so we've got that's a ton old of school. That stuff. Yes, but we'll always have the dollar room because that's something she's really passionate about too. Is she? Yeah. She loves to find a deal, so she 
wants to make oh. sure everybody can find something. Me too. Kindred spirits. Um, how often do you restock the dollar room? Um, we're constantly getting donations, and so whatever might not be suitable for our regular rooms, we just we put right out there. So, you know, pretty much every day. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, that means I have to come often. Yes. Well, thanks a lot. We'll Thank see you, you soon. Know. So this shop is really organized, super clean, very friendly, and I got some really cool stuff. I got this little wooden owl clock. I'm obsessed with owls. I, it's it's just, well, first of all, I like that they're nocturnal. They make cool noises. They're a little bit evil. I love all that. Uh, also, they um, seem to symbolize wisdom, at least in some cultures, that's sort of a totem for wisdom, right? And that's my son's name. So, I don't know. It's just a thing. I love owls. And I got a little owl clock for like $2.50. Really cute. I got a vintage dress for a dollar that I'm going to send to a thrift bagger. It's, I may use it in a photo shoot beforehand. It's super cool. Like a 1970s sundress with a shoulder peplum. And it's a kind of a chiffon type floral. It's really pretty. I got a plus-size Hawaiian sarong that says Hawaii on it with rainbows and hibiscus flowers for a dollar. I got a Lily Rubin, which is an old-school, high-end department, not really a department store, but I would say like a women's shop and a tailored suit that is really kind of on trend right now that's never been worn. It's got a pencil skirt. It's a double-breasted two-button jacket. It's really cute. Somebody's going to be super stoked to get this in a thrift bag. Dollar. And I got a Star Wars lunchbox for a dollar. And I got one of those really cool glass carafts that you put a burner under. Now, I almost bought one of these a couple weeks ago on the New Year's Day sales for $6 in brass. And at the last minute, I decided not to. I'm glad I didn't because this one's copper. And I'm kind of obsessed with copper collecting right now. I got a pretty cute little pom-pom silver threaded shirt from J. Crew. I think that one was $4. A little vintage black handbag that I'm sending to Danielle for her thrift bag for, I think the purses are 4 or $5. And then, uh, let's see, what else did I get? Uh, oh, I got a velvet bathrobe. It's missing the sash, but I have a another one that has a black sash but it was a dollar so i took it who doesn't need a black velvet bathrobe i don't know whoever that person is i'm sure you just don't know that you need one that's all that's all that's happening so it was a pretty good haul and that dollar building is the bomb so i'll definitely be going there more often and it's pretty close to my house it's in my little residential area so I'm excited about that. Always remember to look for your local charity thrift shops. In my opinion, they really do have cheaper goods a lot of the times. And even though they're only open limited hours, like this one's only open till 4 o'clock, you know, that's a squeeze for me to get there sometimes. But even though they're open more limited hours, I always find really cool stuff at Hole in the Wall charity shops. So be sure and look them up in your area and go get yourself some goodies. The other thrift haul I had this weekend was I went to, where did I go? I can't remember where I went. 
Oh, I went to my uh, sourcing outlet today, and I actually spent $80 there, and I got 50 things for a dollar. So that's a big haul, right? The other things that I got are for the photo shoot that I mentioned. They're very 70s style, so even though they weren't on sale for a dollar, I really needed them. Like one of them is a, um old vintage Jaws t-shirt. Like, that's perfect. I'm... I may keep that for myself after the photo shoot. Like, it's just a really cool t-shirt. And let's see, a, a really old vintage pair of faded out bell-bottom jeans. I think those were $7, which is more than I would typically pay at Buffalo um, on the Sunday dollar day because I usually just stick to the dollar items. But they're perfect for this photo shoot that I'm going to. So I did spend a little bit more than I usually do, but I got some really cool stuff. I, I got a couple things for myself, but almost all of it is either photo shoot or thrift bag. Then the day before, so what day was that? Today's Sunday, that was Saturday. Oh no, I guess it was just earlier that day on Saturday before I went to his way. I went to the Salvation Army. Oh, it was afterwards because they're kind of close to each other. I went to the Salvation Army. Now, this is the Salvation Army that I've gotten that badass desk from, that amazing rug that I got. You, you guys, if you're on my Instagram page, Thrift Therapy Pod, you know what I'm talking about, that Salvation Army. Well, they didn't have a lot of really great stuff for me this time, but I did get this really cool Jonathan Adler. Actually, no, it was Nate Burkus. A Nate Burkus brass bowl for $1.99. And it's got a little bird on the side of it. It's super cute. And it's really heavy. And then I got a really cute red sweatshirt with like a little needlepoint heart in the middle of it. Somebody's going to really like that. And as always, I got a bunch of cool vintage belts. I don't know what it is about that place, but they always have rad vintage belts. It's just like if I need vintage belts, that's where I go because I always find them. And then because I got a rolling rack to do this photo shoot and maybe do some pop-ups here and there, I'm on the hunt for those old school satin padded hangers with the big gold hooks. And I got a whole stack of them. I think there's at least 10 for $1.99. So that was a good haul. And the rest of the stuff I got is just thrift bag accessories. Anyway, the, it was a pretty good week for thrifting. But I did have some really good hauls the week before, too. The thing is, is that because I'm only doing this every two weeks, I forget some of the hauls I have. And what I was thinking of doing is maybe doing some mini-sodes on the off weeks where I just do a quick thrift haul rundown. If that's something you're interested in hearing about is just a, a mini-sode of a thrift haul, why don't you jump on over in the Facebook group, Thrift Therapy, and I'll have uh, one of my social media assistance. That's right. I have social media assistance, you guys. I'm going to tell you that right now, Alyssa is one of my social media assistants. She's the first one I had and she's amazing. And she does the thrift bag review. She does an unboxing video and she helps me run the Facebook group. So you can request to join the Facebook group and be sure and like the Thrift Therapy Facebook page. Now I have a new social media assistant Madeline just joined the team and she's going to help moderate the Facebook group and she is also going to do some unboxing 
promotions for me and help spread the word about thrift therapy. She's going to be a social media ambassador. And then I just hired, I just hired someone who's calling, I like this, and Natalie is calling herself my tweet heart. And that's exactly what she is. And she's helping me spread the word about thrift therapy on Twitter. And she is doing an amazing job. So welcome, Natalie. Welcome, Madeline. I appreciate you. And big news I have been collaborating with Sherry of The Refashionista. If you guys don't know The Refashionista, well, get ready because I'm going to interview her soon and I'll introduce you to her. But she is helping promote thrift therapy on her blog and she's doing an article about me and my thrift history. So as soon as that's up and ready, I'm going to post a link to it in the Facebook group as well. So go join the Facebook group. We'll put up a poll about mini-sodes. Shout out to everybody who is promoting Thrift Therapy and helping us grow. What a great community we're building, you guys. I just love it so, so much. And everyone that I meet in the thrifting community is just a doll, a darling. I love them. I think that's all I have for you guys today. we got to get into this interview because it's quite long. You know how it is when you're with your best friend. You can just go on and on forever. The person I'm going to be interviewing for you guys today is my best friend, Wendy. We've been friends for a very long time, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. I wanted to have her come on, though, because she's recently launched a new creative venture. She's a very creative person, and she's somewhat of a spiritual person as well, and she's a healer. She's a licensed massage therapist, a single mom, a yogi. And currently, she's a jewelry designer. She is making repurposed jewelry out of leather goods. And I'll let her tell you a little bit about that in the podcast. Without further ado, Estrella Fogaz. Hi, Wendy. Welcome to Thrift Therapy. Hello, Libby. I'm glad you're here. So for the listeners, I want to tell them that this is my best friend I've had for a really long time. Maybe how long have we been friends? For 15 years? Yes, 15 years. Good, 15 years. So um, Wendy came along at a time in my life where I I was a single parent and I was uh, deep in the throes of thrift life for sure, out of necessity. So when we met, I don't know how long it took us to discover that we had thrifting in common. I don't remember. But pretty quickly. Yeah. Well, we had so many, so many things in common and thrifting just happened to be one of them. That's true. That's true. So I'm glad you're on the show because you sent me some pictures of some earrings you've been making and we'll get to that. But I thought maybe you could tell people how you got into thrifting. Sure. Well, I think it has always been a part of, of, of my reality being, um, Mexican and, uh, always going to mercados when I lived in Mexico and um, going to yard sales. And it's just, it's just natural. It's not, it's what we do at my family has always done. Um, So that has never been absent in my world from as far back as I can remember. It's it's just what we do. Yeah. I, I think I understand that uh, some, a lot of people I've had on the show talk about just kind of growing up that way. Mm -hmm. I discovered thrifting on my own. So I think that's really cool. I, I would have loved that. I think it would have been something I would have really bonded with my family over. It sounds like 
you guys still do that together. Yeah, we really do. Um, and and it's, it's, it happens within the family, within the neighborhood. It's just, it's just always been there. It's something that we do culturally um, all the time. That makes sense to me. I always see, I don't know if this is the right way to say this, so help me out, but I always see large, ga- and I say gaggles because I think of geese, <laughs> large groups of perhaps Mexican, but at mm. least Hispanic families, and mostly women mm. at the thrift store together, and they're all like helping each other find stuff. Yes, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like it's a an event. event. Yeah, uh-huh, it really yeah. is. And they're they're typically like, hey, you can go in front of us because they have they go to the checkout <laughs> together. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing is like there's this togetherness vibe yes. going on. Yes, there really is. There really is. And also with that, as as much as we purchase, we also do the selling. So oh. we will also go to mercados and and sell stuff, and we pass it on to each other. Like, hey, I know that you have time and you're interested in doing this. So we just all donate all our stuff to one cousin that has the time to do this. And so she's the one that kind of does it for the whole family. And we all just give to her and she will actually pay for her bills that way. Oh, so she's a reseller. I guess so. She is. Yeah, we all just give her stuff and she sells it. Maybe your culture invented reselling. Maybe we did. Maybe you did. It's just that you didn't have eBay, right? Right. Like it was just like the Mm pre-eBay reselling. Yep. Living in San Antonio, I do see a lot of that. And mm-hmm. it's like not just used goods. Like I see cross-border selling. Right, right. Like people drive down to Mexico, buy a bunch of cool stuff, and then come here and resell it. Absolutely. How does that work? Like it, do they buy it cheap in Mexico? I mean, what's the – how do they make money on that? I think it goes both ways because I've seen it happening on both sides of the border. Okay. So my Mexican family will come to the States – and buy like Black Friday stuff. Oh, or, no, okay. New, or use things because they also go to like the flea markets and buy stuff there as well as new products from retailers. Uh, and then they take it back to Mexico and, and sell, they sell it there. at the mercado or like they put their stuff outside of their house and as people walk by, they purchase things. And then I also have uh, other friends that do buy artisanal crafts from Mexico. And then they sell them here at festivals and fairs okay. and whatnot. So, but there's like a clear mm-hmm. cultural affiliation with the items across the borders. Absolutely. So it's like in Mexico, they want stuff from the mall yes. from here. Yes. And here, we want stuff from yes. the market from yes. there. Well, Is that right? Yes. Yes, okay. yes. Well, and it's because I guess they don't have, or they do, but the price is so much greater that the, they can purchase it here cheap and then sell it expensive there. And, and still vice versa. cheaper than buying it there. Yes, and vice versa. So you can also purchase cheap, not cheap in quality, but price-wise, and then bring it over here and sell it. From that there. makes sense. And I, having gone to Mexico before, especially in touristy areas, yeah, like I remember, and this is, God, this is back in the 80s, so yeah, get ready. Uh, I remember there was a Gerbeau. <laughs> jeans oh, store yes. in Acapulco yes. and uh, the jeans there were like twice as much as Absolutely. they were here. Yeah. So basic stuff. Yeah. Like Levi's. Levi's. Anything. Yeah. They're super expensive there. And, and so I wonder why. Right? I thought about that and I was like, well, maybe it's like an import tax or something. 
you know. So I don't know what makes that true, but it certainly is true. Mm -hmm. So you you can make money buying stuff here and selling it there at a markup, and it's still cheaper than the the retail price. Okay, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. So yeah, they probably did. People who are crossing that border like probably invented reselling. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I have never thought yeah. about that. That's rad. Well, let's just pretend that they did. Let's, I'm just giving that <laughs> to a to whole me. nation. <laughs> you invented that. Um, so what else? Okay, so your dad, now he has a really cool job. And I remember us talking about this early on when we first met mm-hmm. because it was something I was very interested in. What does your dad do? Well, he is now a retired upholsterer. So he upholsters furniture. Yes. He still does it on a very, very low scale because he's old and falling apart, my poor dad. But he still does it because he's really good at it and he still likes to keep himself busy. Um, So I think the the biggest concern is because he can't walk. And as Uh, an upholsterer, you do need to be able to like, there's a lot of balancing and like stability going on as far as like when you're stretching things you know you need to it's physical it's really physical you need to stretch the material you need to be standing certain angles to like use the gun and and now he's a lot more limited because of you know his age and his physical it seems like a craftsman type job you know where like you're a blacksmith and you have an apprentice Mm. and then you're gonna teach that apprentice out a blacksmith and then they're gonna have an apprentice right. and is that am I just making that up or is upholstery like that? No, I I feel like it's almost like an, a lost art. It seems that way. Yeah, because my father I have a I, whenever people find out, several people have told me, Oh, your dad's an upholsterer, I want him to upholster this or could he do this? And so I stopped asking my dad eventually because this is what he would tell me. He says, I could upholster it for them, but it's going to be a lot more expensive than people think it's going to be Mm. because the work that goes into it and the material is going to be costly in comparison to them buy a new couch. I think that makes sense because I was, um, as you were saying that, I was thinking about an episode that I did a, a bit back with Jay from France and she talked a lot about a disposable fashion mm. and how fast fashion is really making changes in not only how we see ourselves, but how we consume goods. And that has these ripple effects that we don't think about. So it sounds like one of the ripple effects of, uh, you know, cheaply made goods, right. like getting your couch for mm-hmm. $200 at home goods is that it's putting upholsters out of business. Right. Like their craft isn't useful anymore because right. it costs too much. It, it really does. And so basically the only pieces that he will work on now is if, a thing, so if, if something is of value. Okay. So like a handed down, you know, something that's been in your family or like vintage, something really, someone really you treasures. Mean. Yeah. Yeah. So he pretty much just works on treasurable items now. And he is a master upholsterer. So people from you know, big upholstery places in town or even mom and pop shops will call him whenever they come across like difficult projects because he does have that the special skill that most newer, younger upholsterers don't have. 
That's rad. Did you ever like learn how to upholster? Were you ever interested in that? A little bit, a little bit. I, he never wanted to really teach me. And maybe it's the whole like I'm a girl type thing. Oh no! I Suck it, Dad. I know. And so I never um, and really enforced it or showed too much interest. There was a slight interest, and I think now that he sees me making the jewelry, like it, it kind of excites him. Like he, he, he actually mentioned, um, wanting to create a little like, um, space for me to have all my stuff. Oh, that was really sweet. Yeah. He's getting into it. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your new creative project? Sure. I love jewelry. I was inspired by Levi way back. I don't know. Whenever we had, um, it was at your old house. Oh, it was a jewelry party. party. Yes. And so we just had so much fun. And prior to that, I had created jewelry on my own. But there was something about that party that we had that just really touched me. And I think it was like the community bonding that we had. It wasn't just me creating. It was like a bunch of us getting together and drinking and having a good time and creating stuff. And that, that was fun. It was really fun. And we never did it again. We've talked about it. We should do it again. Yeah, I, I would like to. Maybe we could do a thrift therapy craft meetup and make fun. jewelry. That yeah. would be rad. Yeah. So one of the things that I really loved about it was that we kind of worked with material that you already had. And we were just kind of refurbishing stuff. And so we were creating something that was unique to us, but with stuff that was already there. So it wasn't like we went out and invested money. Right. And um, I really enjoyed all of that, all of that. And so that really stuck with me and I wanted to do that again. And I did some creating on my own, but never really got to doing a whole lot out of it until about a year ago uh, that I... I got involved with this uh, dance group. I'm part of a Aztec dance group, and they're always trying new fundraising ideas um, for the group because we do a lot of traveling and the regalia that is worn. It uses feathers, and we travel, and so it there's ceremonies that use candles and all sorts of things that that require expenses. And so fundraising is a big part of being uh, in this group. And so one of the things that I suggested was. Um, like a little workshop. How do we get the community involved? So I wanted to recreate kind of what we did. Everyone come together and people donated jewelry that they no longer wanted. And so we did get together and um, it was a fundraising event. But surprisingly, not a lot of it, there wasn't a lot of interest in this event. To my shock, my shocking, you know, experience. I thought, oh, this is so much fun. Everyone right. is going to come. And no one <laughs> We did have maybe about like, maybe about six to eight people that showed up and there was the group, our group and an additional, you know, six people. That's all it takes to have a party. Yeah. It was a gigantic space that we had and we got all this stuff and, you know, I think we could, we could have done it on a lower scale than we intended it to be. And then I would have been like, Oh, this is really cool because we didn't expect all this stuff. Yeah. But there was higher expectations than, you know, what actually happened. Said every Facebook event ever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so um, what I what did come out of that that um, I wasn't expecting was, I guess I kind of was, 
uh, was that people didn't want to make their own stuff, was people wanted to just buy stuff. So they're like, well, when are you going to start selling your stuff? Because some of the things that I was posting or sharing with people, look what you can make, right? And they're like, well, we don't want to make it. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we just want to buy it. <laughs> when are you going to start selling it? And so I guess that eventually we thought, well, maybe that will be our next fundraising event, would be creating stuff. There's something about that that's kind of sad, though. I agree. I mean, I'm excited for your creative journey and you're making all this rad jewelry. Mm-hmm. But I also feel a little sad that, you know, they were like, I don't want to make it. I just want to buy it. Yeah. Like, make it. God damn it. Yeah. People aren't really into making their own stuff is, is my experience. That makes me think of your dad again. Like, yes. And just buy a new couch. And same thing with, with the oils, right? I was all about teaching people how to make your own products, like how to make yeah. your own palms and, you know, your own toothpaste. To me, that was like super exciting to like create your own stuff. But other people were like, well, when are you just going to make it? Oh, true. Yeah. So I did say that. So it's pretty common. (laughs) (laughs) Even I didn't want to make that. Like, I don't want to make everything, I suppose. Who has time for that? Nobody. (laughs) Okay. Well, all right. I feel happier. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the, the jewelry that you're making now, though, and the upholstery that your dad did, it kind of crosses over because I've noticed you've been doing almost exclusively leather goods lately. Where are you getting all this leather from for your earrings and necklaces? Well, two places. Mostly, originally it started off with just bags of leather scraps from my parents' house. Oh, just like leftover from the upholstery shop? So my father has a ton of upholstery stuff. And I ran into some bags of leather and I was like, I asked my father about it. I was like, hey, can I use this? And he's like, yeah, I have many more bags back there. And so, He's excited because yeah. he's like, my hoarding is paying <laughs> off. <laughs> so I was like, you do? You have more of this? And he's like, yeah, there's like two more bags full in the back. And I was like, let me see them. So then um, he brought them out. And I was just like, oh, oh, my God, all this leather, like just beautiful, all these colors and in all sorts of sizes and so I was just like my mind was like all excited and thinking of all the different things that I could do with it and so that's pretty much how I started working with leather and it was just the idea that I could create something that has been in hibernation you know like I don't know how long that stuff many years it has been hanging out in my parents garage it's just kind of been hanging out to be discovered and that was really special to me I like that too it's like a repurposing Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I love about making art is like I I don't I almost never buy things to make art out of. I either build my own canvases or I paint on some foreign surface that I've gotten at a thrift store because I think it's more fun that way. Mm, Yes. It's not the same as going to the fabric store and just buying a bunch of leather. Right. There's something about this found Mm-hmm. leather that's yes, just it's more like enjoyable. A treasure. It's like treasure. a treasure. Yeah, I love it. I love that too because when he showed me all the stuff that he had, I was like, oh, I was like a little kid. Yeah. I felt like a little kid at a candy store. Like, oh my God, this is going to be so much fun. It was already fun. I wasn't even doing anything and I was just so stimulated by it all. I call that a scoregasm. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you just feel it yes. deep down in all your tingly yes. parts for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So 
um, you are going to be setting up a store. You are finally going to sell some of your cool things. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm slowly working my way to making it, making it on a public scale. Right now, it's just with friends and family because I really, I don't want to get too involved in just creating for self. I really just right now I want to enjoy it and yeah. I like the intimacy that comes with like knowing the people that I'm sharing my stuff with. Well, I think this podcast is a good fit because it's a fairly small community. You know, there's just a few hundred of us at mm-hmm. this point. And um, we like to support each other's mm-hmm. creative endeavors. I like that. So I think it'll be a good fit. So I'll post a link to whatever you have available in the show notes. And hopefully by the time this episode airs, you'll have your shop set up so that yes, I can yes, yes, yes. share so, that. So aside from sharing with just friends and family, I also have a friend that is he's a traveling merchant. And so he's been selling my earrings. He actually is the one that encouraged me to do this bigger than just, you know, friends and fans. He's a cheerleader. He really is. It. And he is. And he, every time he sells an earring, he's really excited for me too. He sends me a picture. He's like, I sold these earrings. And Aww. I'm like, how much did you sell them for? And then he'll tell me. Because he's always trying to get me more money because he wants to encourage me Aww. to do this as well. That's nice. So I like is. that. It is really nice to have a cheerleader. And um, the idea that even though I don't know these people, that there's mm-hmm. people out there that are wearing my creations that um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of cool. That is really cool. I think that about podcasting. There are people out there who who listen to what we talk about, and they feel like a part of the conversation, mm-hmm. and that makes me feel really good yes. because I think we talk about fun things but also, like, important things. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's just, I imagine, like, I know them, too. Right. There's like, that connection. Yeah. Yes. Like, we're having a conversation. It's cool. Yeah. I like it. That's I the great so. thing about creativity. Yeah. I think it brings people together. Yes. Even if it's not meant to. Right, right. Like, sometimes when I paint, I'll paint controversial things mm-hmm. because I want to talk about something that's really bothering me. Right. But it still brings togetherness because mm-hmm. there are other people who maybe resonate or they don't resonate and they find other people who don't resonate. You know, it's still creating some kind of togetherness. Yes, the bond. Yes. That's pretty rad. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, That's one of the things that makes me, I think, probably consider myself an artist. It's not Mm. the actual art. (laughs) It's the connection. It's the connection. I don't look at the art and go, I'm such an artist. (laughs) Don't do that. What I do is I think that I'm an artist is more like an identity mm, thing. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, can, I can relate to that. I can relate to that because I one of the things that I have I have found challenging in the process of creating is that I like them so much. Like every piece, every jewelry piece that I make, it's like I love it. They're I'm like your baby. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's oftentimes hard to mm. part with it. But then I think, well, someone else really loved it too, you know? And so that allows me to let go because, like, yeah. I'm sharing my my love with somebody else. And so that that bond is, is really special. I love that. And I think it brings up a topic that we talk about a lot on this show is, um, yeah, you, thrifting is like that too because every piece feels unique. And it can be really hard to let go and not hoard all your thrift finds, even if you're not using them anymore. So it can, I think people who thrift can really maybe have a higher propensity towards hoarding than people who don't. Maybe I haven't seen research on that, but Mm. it seems plausible. 
Let's yeah. just go with it. <laughs> uh, and and so, like, you do really have to have a good letting go process. You really do. It's really important. Yes. It, it's part of the creating. It's it part, really it's is. Part of, part of doing what you're doing to keep going. It's like the conversation we were having last night where you can't have life without death. Mm, you can't have collecting without letting go. It is a cycle. It's super important. So I'm glad you brought that up. And I think the thrift bags is one of the ways that I let go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super fun because I I am really enjoying finding things out in the wild. As we said, among all of my yes. thrift bags right now, I'm putting them together right now. So I'm really enjoying, I find all these things that are really cool and for just ridiculous prices, right. they're so cheap. And so I can get them now, but I don't keep them. Right. I send them yes. out like little packets of joy. Right, right. And it's really made letting go process mm. really joyful. Yeah. It's not not so uh not such a labor anymore. Mm. So I can let go of my own things right, even. Right. It's a little more like um like you know they're going to be worthy. They like they are worthy. Like someone's really going to value them. So you're not just letting go and not knowing. You're letting True. go and knowing that it, they're going to be treasured. Yeah. It's that's a good word. Maybe we'll call this episode something treasures. Mm, <laughs> we keep me. saying it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so fun. And I, because I think like, uh, I just was reminded of Alyssa who works on the podcast with me. She does some social media promotion. She, um, was in LA, I think, or Hollywood. Same thing, right? So she was there a few weeks ago, and she did a Facebook Live video from some thrift shops that she was at. And there was this really rad vintage purse with a treasure chest on it. Mm-hmm. It was like a treasure scene. And it was like, you have to get that for me. Mm-hmm. And my intention was I was going to send it to this podcast, My Favorite Murder, because they inspired me to do a podcast. Mm-hmm. But now I want to keep it. So it is currently <laughs> residing here. Oh, cool. I'm having a little trouble letting go. Uh, <laughs> so it kind of like, it just did that purse came into my head and it's sort of the talisman of this conversation mm, right now. <laughs> like the sort of intersection between yeah. acquisition, letting go, the treasure yeah. and, and the enjoyment of it. Share, yeah. And sharing that with others. Yeah. I'll post a picture of the purse that is awesome. Uh, challenging me yeah <laughs> it's super cool i haven't even carried it just knowing it? i have it wow. it's like i feel that way about about my earrings i feel like um so part of the letting go process is also me enjoying them mm-hmm. which involves me putting them on mm-hmm. so that i could take pictures with them that's what's really cool about to me instagram or social media mm-hmm. that's picture driven is it's like you have a social experience yeah. with things, but it's just pictures. Yes. <laughs> but you go back and you look at the picture, and it's like, oh yeah, that was a party, yeah, and it was just it really a picture. Wasn't. I was just in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like that outfit I wore, I wore for like three minutes, <laughs> but it was an awesome three minutes. It really was. I, I, I really enjoy that part. And because you, and it's captured and you get to look back at it. Yeah. And even if those earrings are gone, yeah. and, you know, you still have that picture of like, man, I was really rocking those earrings for that minute. <laughs> totally. You know, it's really fun having this interview with you because we're such good friends. Like, you're bringing up every point of, unintentionally, of course, you're bringing up every point 
in my journey to being a podcaster mm -hmm. because starting the Instagram page that I have, and I had it before I started the podcast, was really about outfits of the day. Mm -hmm. And I, because I did a selfie challenge where you're supposed to take a picture of yourself and post it on social media every day for 90 days mm -hmm. and it'll change your life. That was the pitch. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, okay. I need to feel better about right, myself. Right. So I did it and it was true. It did. Mm. And that was one point in my journey to becoming a oh, podcaster. I didn't know that. Yeah. And I, it, it just, it made me like my body again and want to wear cool things. Yes. And like stop feeling like I had to be young and thin mm. to appreciate how I look. Yes. Like I don't need to, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I felt like. That. Yeah, and I get that too with the earrings. Like it, it has inspired all of my creative juices. And once again, for a while, I was going through really intense stuff with myself. Like I didn't want to be seen. Yes, I didn't want to invisible. be visible. Yes, and I was Born very comfortable with that. Like I actually was embracing not being seen. And then when I started working with these earrings and. They're just so pretty that I want everybody to see them. Like, I don't just want the people in my, you know, at work to see them. I want, like, you know, my friends and family that are in Mexico or in other parts of the States to, to see them as well. And not because I'm showing off, because they bring me so much joy. Yeah. So I wanted to share that joy. And so that has been something that has re-inspired me to be a little more visible. I'm still working on it. So a lot of the pictures that I take are still, like, not showing my eyes or covering. <laughs> I'm wearing big old glasses. I or noticed something. that, but I'm totally playing with that as well. Like I like all the additional accessories that are happening as well. Yes, I think that's yes. I think that that's sort of the journey to the podcast. It, it just kind of was like a rolling ball of mm -hmm. what's next, new As layers of myself. Yes, yes, yes. And when I was younger, I did have this desire to be known, to be heard, to be seen. And and slowly through the decades, it disappeared. Mm -hmm. But going through that selfie challenge, it started awakening slowly yes. these older versions, mm -hmm. these younger versions of myself from right. a time past. Yeah. And eventually I was like, you know what? I am still a person with something to say. Right, right. And I think that's actually what inspired me to share my album with you, my earring album. Oh, yeah. Because I knew, I know that this is what you're into right now. And I, I'm slowly coming out of, you know, the invisibility. And I thought, well, if I share this with her, she might just like really launch me out into Make feeling you. more comfortable. <laughs> You, by that, you mean force. <laughs> into just exposing myself to everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how I am. Yes, of course. And so I immediately said, you're coming on the podcast. You sure did. <laughs> well, and if anything, at least with your community, which I yeah. love. I love the community that you've created, and it feels really safe, and it feels like a place that I would feel really comfortable. And I have not posted anything. I have not been involved. So I thought, well, if I start with this, this is like, bam, now I'm in. Yeah, I like it too. I'm feeling, and I, as more and more people contact me and talk about the community and talk about how inspired mm -hmm. they're feeling, I can see that they're the kind of people that I like. Right. Like, it's not just any old people. Mm -hmm. it, it's There's something about podcasting, I think, that's really cool like that. It's, it's a, you have a particular voice and it brings particular mm. kinds of people together. Yes. 
that's rad. It really is. It's so cool. I'm super happy to be a part of it. Yes, me too. Me too. Which is why I felt really safe. I'm glad you came. Sharing with you because I knew that I would be in a good place. Good. Uh, I want to talk about thrifting a little bit and then I'll ask you the thrift level questions. Okay. So what kind of things do you thrift the most often? Do you think like house stuff, clothes stuff? Like what, what's your thrift passion? Uh, currently it's, it's, uh, clothing, clothing, clothing. And it's because of my current living situation. I don't have space and I don't have, um, pretty much that's it. The space, the space. I don't have a lot of space to purchase things that I'm going to really, um, use. Yeah, I get that. I think a lot of the listeners are in that position too, where space is limited. Mm. And so even though they see really cool objects, I just pass by yeah. uh, that whole section. You just bless it and yes. leave it for someone else. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> totally get that. And I go through stages where I'm looking for things and I'm not looking for things like that. Um, I think with the minor exception of really hating my body for like a two-year period, I've always thrifted for clothing. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a go-to. It's going to happen. I can't not, mm-hmm. even if space is an issue. Right. We, I right. will make it work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I come in with a very threatening place to my closet and I'm like, move over. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, Cram. of course, uh, clothing, shoes, accessories, bags. Okay, and you can make yes. space for that stuff. Yeah, because it's smaller. Yeah. And I'm, I'm always going through the recycling the process. process of it. So, I can get rid of stuff to create more space for that. Now, you have a kiddo. Do you take your kid thrifting with you? Of course, yeah. Okay, yeah. and does he like it? Yeah, he's not really... For or against it. I mean, he's just... He's not like, oh, not again, mom. No, not really. Okay. Well, we have this uh, this deal where wherever it is that we go, he has to experience whatever it is that we're doing for at least 30 minutes. Uh-huh. And then if he does really well, then I will lend him my phone for another 30 minutes. Oh, that's pretty smart. So he'll generally just tough it out and pretend, he at least pretend <laughs> hey. that he's enjoying it. <laughs> That's good enough. Yeah, and he doesn't bother me. And um, another thing that we do is we first go to, like, the toy aisle. And so he'll pick out a toy or two. And sometimes he picks out pillows because he just wants to sleep through it. <laughs> so his, his choices are very practical yes, at times. Yes, oh, which and, cool. and I love the pillow ones because he's, he's very particular about which pillow he wants. And if he sees a blanket, he's like, I want that blanket. And, you know, they're just temporary because I don't buy them. Oh, that's Unless cute. he really likes it. Unless he really likes it. So we just use it for the experience of shopping and then we put it back. But if he really likes something, he'll tell me, you know, I really like this. And then I'll get it. I'm like, are you sure that you want that over the toy? Because he will always end up getting it. Oh, that's smart, though. So, yeah. So he'll end up leaving with something, one thing. That's <laughs> good. You're already teaching him how to make good choices. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yes. I approve. Stamp. <laughs> Not that it matters, <laughs> but let's pretend it does. Sure. We're pretending good. a lot today, mm-hmm. so we're just going <laughs> to, this is the podcast where we pretend that I know everything <laughs> for, two, for one day. <laughs> the whole day of pretending. I love it. So let me ask you about uh, Mexican culture items. You said that you would be okay with that. And since I consider you an expert on that, especially <laughs> now that you are reinvesting in your indigenous roots mm-hmm. and really learning from people who have protected a lot of the cultural ideologies and experiences that are really important. Uh, what do you think as an Anglo woman 
shopping at a thrift store, I should do if I run across a Mexican artifact that really makes me feel like I need it? <laughs> like, what can you tell me that would help me have some good boundaries? What, what are your ideas? I found this little um, hand tool leather. It's like a trivet, which is a pot thing. You set a hot pot on top of it. You put this thing on your table, and then you set your hot pot on it. It's supposed to protect, like, your wood and stuff, right? Your right. your finishes. So I found this leather one at a thrift store for two ninety nine. It was half off. Super cool. Sending it to one of my thrift baggers because I know that they will use it right. for its intended purpose. Right. But on the back of it, it says it's got a stamp on it that says made in Honduras. Mm-hmm. So I know it's... um for resale like it was made for commerce so that made me feel good yes yes. so that was a couple things i used for that was one is where am i sending what am i doing with it right is it respectful two is um does this belong to somebody uh that would want it back Mm. and if it's for commerce then i'm assuming no that there were plenty of options for them to have that. Right. It's right. not like a important artifact that maybe was stolen from somebody's culture. Right. Does that make right. sense? Yes, it does make sense. Um, I think this is kind of, um, I wouldn't say touchy, but um, it's a special circumstance because everybody is different. And so I feel like there are some people that are going to have perhaps um, different boundaries or expectations mm-hmm. than what I, I might be sharing today is that I personally I feel that respect is uh, my number one criteria of anything that you're going to keep um, so that there is some type of respect of knowing where it's coming from mm-hmm. and how you're going to be using it because a lot of uh, like indigenous communities, at least the ones in Mexico that that I, um, so I have a friend who is the the one that is a artisan Mexican artisanal merchant, and he's a traveling merchant, and he's really big on Getty. He has um, networks with Mexican artisans, and they're indigenous, so they're hand creating everything and mm. you know it's the families that are creating this stuff and he he is doing this to help these communities right so these communities are doing this because this is how they're making their living so he's helped so he's doing this process of like bringing the stuff to the states and then selling it to people whoever wants to buy it right it's not just you know mexicans or whatever it's like right. he really wants to share and help these communities as well as help himself in sharing this. So buying those things that he's selling would be a way of supporting the culture. Absolutely. So supporting him, supporting the communities. And so it's not something that he really only wants to sell to Mexicans. You know? So cultural appropriation isn't buying artifacts or uh, not artifacts, crafts from a culture and then using it for your own. That's not what it is. You That's supportive. It can be, yes. So where do you think it becomes appropriative? I think it becomes appropriative if you're using it for your personal gain. Like, for example, if you're going to resell it 
and then take credit for it or make money off of it in some way. Um, I mean, like some type of, of like ownership that isn't yours. Okay, so let me think. So if I were to decide, you know what, I bet I could go to Mexico and buy tons of Mexican peasant dresses. Right, like those right. are really big, yes. right? And bring them back here and sell them. Now, because I'm white, would that be a cultural appropriation? I think that would be considered cultural. I would be in sticky, yes, sticky, sticky territory. territories. Yes, and I'll give you an example. Um, so I have I have this beautiful purse, this beautiful bag that um, was handwoven, and I get a bunch of compliments from that. And then I was having dinner with some friends, and one of my friends said, "Oh, I love your purse," and she busted out a really cool. Um, my cosmetic bag that she had and I was like oh my god that's so beautiful where did you get that from because I'm really big into supporting artisans and like the work yeah. that my friend is doing I want to support that because I understand what's happening what goes into yes, it yes yes yeah so I was like oh who where'd you get that from because I get a lot of stuff from festivals and directly from the store yeah so yeah I love to ask where is this from I like to know the history you know like who, where, when, you know, all of these questions that I have Perfect. for the people that I'm buying from. Um, because I want them to know. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's a treasure. Don't you want to know it's map? Absolutely. So she's like, oh, well, and it had like the web page, the website, the web, uh, yes, on the actual purse. And so I don't want to name any names. But she's like, it's so-and-so.com. And I was like, cool. I was really excited about this purse because it was really, this little cosmetic bag was really cute. And I wanted to support yeah. whoever was doing this, knowing what I just shared. And so I finally went online and I saw the different bags and they had a bunch of other Mexican or related like um, designs and I was like, cool. And so I went to the about page, the about, you know, area. And then it had a picture of this white woman, which is fine, right? I'm I'm kind of white looking as well, and so you I don't want to have to like ask somebody for their papers, right? Like absolutely. that's not cool, right? So I wanted to read about her. I was like, okay, what's her story? What's your right? story? And so she just said the story about like how she got into creating bags, and I didn't really mention anything about like her ethnicity or why she's choosing to create these bags. Like she was inspired by this certain cult, right? Like, or she lived no under, there, or whatever. What was there's the a story. Yeah, what's the connection okay. to creating them in this particular way? Like, why, out of anything that you could create, or are you going to create them? In this I see ethnic way. And so I was a little disappointed that she didn't touch on that because I don't know. I mean, she may or may not have some connection to the ethnicity that she's not sharing. I didn't want to judge her. But it did disappoint me that that wasn't touched upon. And it, I it, see what you mean. And it made me not want to invest in her products. Well, because you don't want to be in that sticky area. That's right. Okay. And so when I shared this information with my friend, who is the merchant, oh, okay. he was like, well, who is she? Right? I want to ask her. And I do want to know. Like, he was, like, really, like, wanting to know so he's why a she is doing this. Right. Of culture. As opposed to me, like, I'm just not going to support it. He wanted to really know, like, why is she doing this? I see. So there's a, not only as a consumer, is there a gradient of our understanding of cultural appropriation, but it sounds like there's also a gradient on the other side, on Absolutely. the protector side, yes. where maybe uh, there are some people's boundaries are more rigid yes. than other people's mm -hmm. boundaries. 
Now, as a therapist, working with boundaries is something I do all day, every day. And the way I, I talk about boundaries is that on one end of the spectrum, there may be diffuse boundaries, which is you hardly know what the person's boundary is because right. they barely have right. one. Right. Right. And then on the other end, it would be really rigid. There's mm-hmm. no room for change. Mm-hmm. There's no uh, room for um, collaboration on a boundary, right. meaning this person's boundary is so hard that right. you can't have a boundary around them. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I don't know how much that applies to this issue, but that's what I thought of in that moment, that maybe somewhere in the middle is what we talk about in therapy. Being Mm -hmm. healthy is because diffuse and rigid boundaries are so extreme, they're not going to apply to everyday situations very often. Mm -hmm. Most of our life isn't extreme. Right. So we talk about the middle being the healthiest because it's more uh, applicable. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So when we talk about it that way, and if I apply that to cultural appropriation, what are your thoughts on that? What What do you think about middle boundaries for cultural appropriation? Like, I don't know, does that say anything to you? It or? does. Well, I mean, I think because a lot of my my Buddhist practices mm. do try to work with the middle way as far as like not being an extremist. And that was like, my favorite parenting model, by the way. It was called the middle way. Yeah, and it was a good one. Yes. And and I try to live my life that way, right? Not just being an extreme, although I, I have a tendency to be extreme, but working with my own extreme nature and trying to yes. find a balance and to find something along the middle road where you could be more flexible. And so that's how I I see the world and how I try to work with things. But I know that there are people that are not like that and that are more, um, you know, militant or like going to tell you something about it. See, even the words you're using suggest rigidity. And there is. And that's yeah. why I am saying it because I personally know people that are. Well, I guess what I would say, because I don't want to judge that, is maybe for sometimes that people who are having rigid boundaries, that's what's appropriate for them. Right. And we, I don't know why it would be appropriate for them. Maybe there's someone stole things. From yes. them. You know, they can have a reason, a, a psychological reason that their rigidity exists, yes. if that yes, makes yes, yes, sense. Yes. So, yeah. And that's what shows up in therapy too, yeah. that, that people aren't accidentally rigid. Mm-hmm. They've gotten there accidentally right. because right. they're not aware of what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. But there was some motivating factor mm-hmm. that made rigid boundaries or diffuse boundaries seem the best right, for them. Right. And, and that's why I started off with respect. I like because that. Because I feel that if um, you're going to be wearing something that is not of your ethnic background, that you do it with humility and mm. an understanding and respect for that culture. And maybe openness, I think, for me, is what I try to use. Mm. Yeah, like know a little bit about where it's yeah. coming from. Curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. Don't just wear it because... It's in fashion or because something more like superficial, like because because like for some reason it called you. Right. There was an attraction there. Like just dig a little bit deeper. Like, where is this from? Like, do a little bit of research, like wear it with dignity for the people that created it. I think that's a really beautiful way to say it. I feel it feels really positive. I think the talk around cultural appropriation online, at least can get real heavy. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm opposed to heaviness. I think that's a lived experience, right? right? It can be very heavy. It's just that 
I, I really am resonating with the softness and the beauty and what you're saying is that it's not about retribution or domination of any culture. It's about what makes us admire each other or something like it's that community aspect Absolutely. again. Yes. I like that. It, it really does resonate in a really creative way. Like it reminds me of what makes us appropriate in the first place. Right admiration i think mm-hmm. isn't that some, isn't that worth something is there an, is there a way we can tune that isn't can we take the admiration and maybe um add the respect and yes, add the curiosity absolutely. i think it's very necessary because um i'll just give you one example or perhaps two um, I was at a powwow uh, this past weekend, and one of the vendors had a, um, like, one of the headdresses, you know, that you see in the movies with the feathers, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and one of the people who is kind of like um, a protector of the culture was really offended by it, because mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was displayed in a way that was more costumey, and that's and so he was just like, that's really inappropriate. And so they asked this person to take it down. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then they also had another beaded, um, a beaded necklace that had uh, the Redskins, you know, mascot on it. Like the football team the thing? The football team thing. Okay. And so, I mean, things like that. You know, recognizing that it's not something that is a costume, I guess, for show, but, like, this is someone's world. Like, this is someone's reality. This is how someone's feeding their children. This is what some people only have to wear. But I think what I hear there is if you're open to that feedback, like, that could be really life-changing for any someone, anyone. If if an Indigenous person has the courage to come and tell you, hey, you're treating my culture poorly. Right. I mean, imagine what that person is mustering up inside yeah. of them. Yeah. And if you can open your ear to hear it with all yeah. that same kind of courage. Right. Like, I want to hear what you have to say. Right. That takes courage, right. too. Right. Absolutely. To be on both sides. It really to be does. vulnerable. Yes. Both people are being vulnerable. Yes. yes. And so if you can meet in that vulnerability, mm-hmm. perhaps that is where the conversation is. Yes. Yes, I agree. I agree because I know that, like I said, a lot of the people that are involved in in the group that I mentioned, some of them still are really hurt. There's a lot of hurt. You know what? I can understand that. There's a lot of hurt, and therefore the defenses are up. I, I resonate with that as a therapist because I think um, privilege shows up in therapy as well, mm-hmm. meaning that sometimes I see that middle boundaries are more accessible to white people mm-hmm. because they haven't been hurt as right. much, to right. be honest with right. you. Does that make any sense? It does. It does make sense. And I and I, I try to be very sensitive mm-hmm. to that. Right. I'm not going to ask people of color to ignore their hurt right and have these middle boundaries right <laughs> that would be appropriate in this other culture mm-hmm. but not for them yes what's the middle for you right in your right. pain right. so that spectrum is individual absolutely and that's why i said you know respect like if i think personally and that's all i can say like if it's coming from a place 
within your own understanding and within your own experience that you're respecting whatever it is that you're finding and that you're honoring where it's coming from and you're not just discarding it as like or wearing it as some fashion piece that you have no connection to um like that's really important at least to me and to some of the people that i know i really appreciate that and it takes me back to the 90s like where everything was just so (laughs) so greedy and like i i don't know but you know i think of the movie wall street really captures the sort of decadence and self-absorption of the 80s and 90s really really well and where i was in like high level cultural appropriation mode and i was just wearing I think that was the birth of fast fashion, really, mm-hmm. that era, and where I was just wearing whatever appealed to me with no thought right, to right. where it came from, what inspired yeah. it. And I look back on that time now, and I think, holy shame face. Right. You know, like, I was a mess. Mm. <laughs> a mess. I didn't even know I was a mess. Mm. And now I look back and I think, okay, I've learned a lot since then from being more open to listening and asking different kinds of questions. Right, right. Like, for example, my friend that that does sell this artisanal crafts, like, he wants people to buy it from him because, you know, this is how he's making his living. He's not resentful No, absolutely. He's all about it. Like, he doesn't care if you're purple, green, yellow, whatever. Like, he, and he'll, he'll, he wants you to buy from him, right? Yeah. But at the same time, he does, he, he wants you to know He'll share where it's coming from or if you have any questions, like he's open to talking about them as well. Because some of his pieces are just amazing. Like, I'm so grateful to be trading with him because he has these like relationships that his family in Mexico has created with all these different like artisanal communities and stuff. Yes. So he's not only bringing stuff from one area, he's bringing stuff from different parts of Mexico. And some of the stuff is just Oh my gosh, so beautiful. Like these really beautiful feathered earrings and just stuff that he creates himself. And it's just so beautiful because he understands like the craft, the art, artisanal like value that comes from it. And it's another thing that I really appreciate about what he's doing is because um, he sells it with pride. Like, yes, I'm indigenous and I'm uh, selling indigenous, like straight up, like from the community. Like I didn't go through like some distributor or like, like he has these bonds with these communities. So he knows that with the work that he's doing, he's feeding not only himself, his family and all these other communities that he's helping. I really, that's just so great. And I think as a thrifter, it, it, that made me really think about what's, where does thrifting fit into that? And I think every time I find an artisanal piece in a mm-hmm. thrift store, I have a scorgasm. <laughs> because not only am I getting uh, like something for super cheap, like right. $3, mm-hmm. but somebody bought this at like, like sometimes it'll, I can tell it'll have a tag on it that's from like a festival, right, you know, it has like right, the little sticky right, tag that's right. handwritten. Uh, sometimes, I mean, I just have a good eye now at this point mm. for knowing when something is, um, like artistic, right. somebody's made something artistic, but again, uh, there's this moment now where I'm not sure if I should buy it or not. Mm. Cause I'm in that 
right. questioning right. place right. where right. I'm wanting to be respectful. But then I also don't want to leave it there for it to be treated poorly. Disrespective. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, I know this person I'm going to send this pot holder to is not going to make a fucking dream catcher out of it right. and hang it on their wall right. and be like, I'm so boho. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? Like, that would be ridiculous. Mm. <laughs> so I know they're not going to do that. So I don't know. It is definitely, as a white person, and um, I am part Native American, but I feel like for me, I need to really own my whiteness mm-hmm. and make a different way to be white, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I need to be fully in what people see me as right. and try to make that something good. Yeah, and I really appreciate that. I really appreciate what you're trying to do and how you're trying to share that perspective with other people that might not have given that much thought to it. So I really appreciate the space that you're creating for bringing consciousness to it, you know, bringing, being more conscious of what you purchase, what you wear, Mm. how you, um, how you promote that because it's so necessary in these times. I think if we had more of this dialogue and we could spread more awareness and have these conversations amongst ourselves and with other people that we know as well. So it could spread out like a beautiful ripple effect. Thank you. I think it's important. And I'm glad that you see that there are people out there who are trying to join. I think if we want equality, this is the way. I agree. I agree. Well, and I feel somewhat fortunate because I am, you know, lighter skinned and because I do have the white privilege myself Mm -hmm. and I'm in between both worlds that I can have these dialogues with you and other white people and maybe not feel as threatening from both perspectives. Like I'm not posing as much of a threat and I don't feel as threatened. So I can help share these perspectives that perhaps other people might feel really like guarded or like have like high defenses up and will share what I'm sharing from another completely different perspective and not be able to create the space. That's interesting too. And I think as a therapist, what I would say to that is if you are making yourself uncomfortable, you're probably doing something good. You see, if you make yourself uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you're letting your defenses down. Mm-hmm. If other people are making you uncomfortable, I don't know. That's right. more questionable. Mm-hmm. Fuck that, right? right <laughs> like right. that could be a boundary situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you're making yourself uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you are lowering your your defenses yeah. you're looking more deeply into yourself and you're being vulnerable to the moment right and that is really really good thing yeah. to do you can learn a lot more in that state than when we're I really agree. guarded i agree because when you first mentioned wanting to talk about this subject i was like oh my god maybe we need to talk about it first before we talk about it <laughs> because i didn't know what i was going to say because i know it's a sticky situation yeah and so I thought, oh my God, do I really want to go there? But yes, I do want to go there because this, these conversations need to be had. And not just with me, right? Because this is just my perspective. Of like course. I said. Um, and if you do have these conversations with other people that might not be, you know, as open as I am, be prepared to also hear another perspective because my perspective yes. is just my perspective. And again, I want to say that when you're working on boundaries, that boundary spectrum is individual, meaning my Absolutely. rigid and my diffuse are different from your rigid yes. and your diffuse. And finding the middle in yourself mm-hmm. 
it is your own journey. Mm -hmm. I can never tell somebody what the right boundaries right, are. Right. They ask, <laughs> they do ask, right, and right. I'm currently working on a book about boundaries, but it, nowhere in it will I have a list yes. of here are the right boundaries because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Right. So I am open to those conversations, and in fact, I'd make an open call to any people of color or indigenous persons or cultural protectors yes. who want to come on the podcast and talk about this, that I will hold space for that. Absolutely. That's and um, we need to, I, I really do want a more equal world. And one of the things that I've learned from my own therapy journey is that equality rests in uh, power problems. Mm. I have to take power out of the equation. We have to not right. need power differences yes. Yes, yes, to yes. have equality. So if one way I can do that is to make an open call to come right. on here and me be uncomfortable right. and some listeners be uncomfortable to let our power down, mm. uh, sure. Yeah. Why yeah. not? That's wonderful. Equality. So maybe the name of this episode is either like Sticky Treasure <laughs> Uh, uh, treasure equality. I don't know. Lots of buzzwords, right? <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, that's good. Let's do the thrift level questions. Okay. Are you ready? Let's do it. How often? Oh, my gosh. Recently, not often enough. I have been so involved in not doing anything and getting out of my house. It's hard to get out of the house. And creating earrings. Like, that's all I've been doing. That's your thrift right now. Right now, that's what So I'm you're doing. clearly not thrifting enough, and I'm going to have to call you and drive yes, you to thrift stores. Do. Okay, please get ready do. for that. <laughs> do you have a list of things, or are you a spontaneous thrifter? I, it's a little bit of both. Um, generally, I have somewhat of an agenda. Like, I'm looking for skirts today. Okay. This is it specifically. Category list. Yes, yes, yes. And then um, sometimes I'm just open. That's the expert answer, I think, is both. It's like you have a category list. You know, don't put red boots on there. Right, right, right. You know boots or red, yes. not both. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and then you're also real open to the vibe. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yes, this is the right thing for me today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you believe in thrift gods? Well, I believe in energy. Mm, thrift it's energy. Thrift energy. So there's definitely the flow, mm. the thrift flow of like sometimes I feel you it. feel more guided. To that way. <laughs> sometimes you're just like, no, don't go there. No, that's the bad. Yes. That section has nothing but pee and bed bugs. <laughs> don't go there. <laughs> do you like to go with friends or do you like to go alone? I do a little bit of both. I go a lot with my mother. Oh, yeah. My mother and I, because it's the thing that from ever since. The community. <laughs> yes, yes. And what about, like, the best or worst thrift story? There wasn't, like, a, oh, my God, I can't believe I just got this for a dollar or a holy horror so show. Much. I can't really you can't pick out one. I really can't. I bet Tasha could. I bet he could go, this pillow was the best <laughs> pillow I he ever found. Can. He's more along those lines than I am. I just have so many because I've been doing it for so long, you know, from ever Maybe since. Maybe the, the bag of leather was pretty good. The bag of leather? That you My got from your yes. dad. Right, and that was just free. I mean, and, and I think you hit something there because that's how I feel with my parents in general. 
Like, I will say, Mom, I need to go to the thrift store to buy this. And she's like, oh, I have, like, four of them. <laughs> so the best thrift moment yes. is not having to go to the thrift yes, store. <laughs> because they're already there. And I need to come over more so I can go shopping in your parents' hoard. I mean, I hated it growing up, and I still quite find it, you know, a little uneasy. But it's awesome when I actually find the things that I need and I don't have to leave the house. Quite a high. It is a high for sure. In fact, I when I do my outfits of the day, uh, sometimes I have that feeling. Mm. I'm like, I actually have the exact perfect shoe. It has all four of these mm. colors on it. <laughs> <laughs> there is something a little wrong with that. I have to admit, it's so good. It must be bad. <laughs> Oh, that should be the name of the episode. It's so good. It must be that. (laughs) AKA treasure. (laughs) Okay. Well, thanks for coming on Thrift Therapy. Had a blast. Thank you for having me. I greatly enjoy your space all the time. Aw. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to Thrift Therapy. I will see you here again in two weeks. And we will talk more thrifting. In the meantime, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Tell a friend. And as always, stay thrifty.